Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you. Always look forward to coming here. And just thank you for your partnership in uh, Grace and the work in Thailand. And uh, just uh, uh, we'll be able to share a lot more about that out in the luncheon. But, uh, but just thankful for you and for the sponsors that are in this room and what you do in partnering with this work in such a uh, strategic place in the world. So thank you so much. Okay. Uh, you want the good news or the bad news first? Good news or bad news? Okay, we'll give you the good news. The good news is God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The good news is Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. We have so much good news in front of us. The good news is we have redemption through Jesus Christ, the good news is we don't, Scripture says we don't have to be anxious about anything or worry about tomorrow. So much good news. The bad news is we have an enemy. We do have an enemy, and that enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the bad news. The bad news is that this enemy oftentimes begins work very early in our lives to short-circuit the glory of God in our life. Uh, The good news is you've been gifted by God. If you're a believer, you're in the kingdom of God. Uh, Scripture tells us that we have a spiritual gift to be used in the kingdom to propagate the gospel, bring glory to God. That is awesome. But then... At the same time, like I said, we do have this enemy that starts very early in our lives working to short circuit that that glory. Now, the great American philosopher Forrest Gump (laughs) once stated that he and Jenny go together like peas and carrots. That's right. Some things just mix well, don't they? Some things just go together. Then some things do not mix well. Oil and water don't really mix well. And you know what? The, the Christian life and anxiety seem like an odd combination. It seemed like an odd combination, and yet I found that the kingdom is ravaged by anxiety. I have a steady flow of people through the counseling office who mostly are believers and and yet are are neck deep in this thing we refer to as anxiety. It's um, whether whether it's the diagnosable situational anxiety or the generalized anxiety disorder brand, anxiety tends to steal life. It, it, it steals what is right there in front of us. It, it's, uh, it overtakes lives, it, it seems like. Some, you know, sometimes anxiety may possibly be the result of genetics. But more often, it seems like most of the time, anxiety seems to be that of a, either a learned behavior or a behavior adopting in helping us gain a sense of control in a life that seems out of control. Now, there's a lot behind that one statement that I just made, but 
anxiety has been defined as nervousness, um, worry, unease, apprehension, a lot of different ways we, we describe anxiety. Our lives tend to be filled with circumstances that propagate this phenomenon, whether it's children moving off to college or whatever it is maybe coming our way. It, so many things in our life are anxiety producers. And sometimes anxiety is a result of situations that we maybe have put ourselves in. At other times, anxiety is a more broad and, un, more broad and undefined as to the reason for its presence in our life and the distress that it's causing. Um, most individuals I've encountered along the way are filled with some degree of anxiety and this is connected to some kind of relational issue okay and that relational issue could be a relationship with ourself it could be a relationship with the lord it could be a relationship with someone in our family it could be a lot of different ways and 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 let me say that oftentimes this thing of anxiety and depression run together as they're, they've often been described as two sides of the same coin. Tenseness, fear, dread, trembling, increased heart rate, rapid, rapid breathing, trouble concentrating. These types of things are just a few of the presenting symptoms that often manifest. And often the, the, the individual, it has a loss they're at a loss to where this is coming from. Why is this happening? It feels like this, this enormous wave that's just overtaking me, and I have no control over it. But in addition to that, it seems like oftentimes the, the thinking is, especially with believers, that I should not be experiencing this since I'm a Christian. I've been set free, right? But yet, I'm experiencing this anxiety and so just let me say along that line that there is this thing called justification, which we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're born into the family of God. We've been made a new creation. Things have been set right. But then at the same time, there's this process of sanctification that is becoming more and more like the Lord, more and more like Jesus. So in me talking about anxiety today, and you, if you're experiencing which Odds are many of us are in this room. I'm not saying that you're a bad Christian. I'm saying that it may be a, a, um, a question of sanctification, even moving more toward the Lord in our living. But remember, at the same time, we have this enemy at work in our life that uses the events and the circumstances of our life and even, even our growing up to to propagate this anxiety that's within us. So there's no easy answer to this. So let me just say a certain level of anxiety is probably okay. A certain level of anxiety can be motivation to do a good job, to do, to perform a task well. So we understand that, but somewhere along the way, somewhere in this land of uncertainty, there's a line that we cross where the anxiety becomes more pathological. It becomes, it, it becomes detrimental. It becomes working against us, maybe psychologically, spiritually, and even physically. And so in Matthew chapter number 6, Matthew chapter number 6, our Lord is teaching. He's, uh, 
in what we've come to call the, the Sermon on the Mount. But he's teaching about a lot of different things. He, he's, uh, he, he's, um, he's talking about worry. He's talking about adultery. He talks about money. A lot of different topics inside this message. But, um, but here in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number... He begins kind of turning in that direction in my eyes along verse number 19, verse 20. I'm not going to take the time to read all of that, but he's talking about don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's saying you cannot serve two masters. He's talking about all this, about us being pulled in different directions. So just pick it up in verse number 25 of Matthew chapter number 6. Many of you probably know this passage. These are the words of Jesus. He's been, he's been teaching, he's talking about these things, and he says, Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look to the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is uh, um, of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay. Jesus teaching about worry. The Christian life, I would think we could I think we're safe to say in its purest form is freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ, saved, born again, set free from the shackles of sin, on our way to heaven. All those things, all those concepts and elements we love. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't have to be in need of anything. Yet I find so many people in the kingdom in need of peace. In need of that very thing, that very thing of freedom. Uh, this concept of freedom in Christ can def- be defined in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I, of course, I've served as a pastor. I've served as an, I'm serving as an NGO leader, a counselor. I've been a staff member, missionary to Thailand. And one of the, through all of those years and all of those places we've had the opportunity to be and all the people I have engaged, one of the most prevalent characteristics I've witnessed in the lives of Christians is that of anxiety. Anxiety. Why is this? Because anxiety, anxiety runs counter to the teachings 
of Christ, life in the kingdom, the message of the abundant life. Jesus said, once said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but it's my peace. Yet peace often eludes us. Most, most clients in the counseling room would scoff at the idea of the abundant life. As like I said a few minutes ago, they're neck deep in anxiety resulting from a lot of different circumstances. But this, this idea of the abundant life eludes them. That is salvation in Christ. They may understand some concepts of that. But then knowing the will of God, doing the will of God, um, exercising faith, uh, learning how to fight the spiritual battle. And all of these types of things all wrapped up in this idea of the abundant life. So how do we deal with, how do we deal with anxiety? How do we deal with this when, when the Lord has promised abundant life, freedom in Christ, knowing and doing the will of God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, serving in the kingdom? How, when, when we're experiencing anxiety... When it's, like I said, sometimes it's understandable, but, but at some point it becomes a problem, right? So how, how do we deal with this as a believer? We have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We, we have access to this tremendous power, and yet we find ourselves struggling. So just, just really three major things real quickly this morning I just want to throw out there and for us to think about. First of all, as we think about anxiety, how to deal with anxiety, Scripture tells us to stop striving. Stop striving. That sounds really simple, doesn't it? Psalm chapter number 46, verse number 10, Scripture says in King James, and the New King James, Be still and know that I am God. One translation says, says it like this, Stop striving. It's, an int- it's interesting to me, uh, the, the term be still or stop strike, be still, uh, be still. This in that context in Psalm 4610, this was a call for those individuals in a battle to stop fighting, to literally drop your weapons. Be still. He says, stop it. The, the, the word still is a translation of the Hebrew word R-A-P-A, rapa meaning to slacken, to let down, or to cease. In some, in some instances, the word, the word carries with it the idea to drop, even to be weak, or to faint. Now, that's interesting. It, it's, it's, it's kind of the image of two people fighting until the referee comes in to separate them and makes them drop their weapons. It's only after the fighting has stopped that the warriors can acknowledge their trust in God. And so Christians often interpret the command, be still, just simply to be quiet. To be quiet in God's presence. While quietness is certainly helpful, and we didn't do that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. The the phrase, the way I understand it, the phrase literally means to stop or to cease frantic activity. Okay? To stop frantic activity. Now, if we deal with anxiety on any level, you know exactly what's being referred to. The mind is going. The mind is preparing. It's looking. It's, uh, it's trying to 
get control. It's always, it's click, 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 always going, always turning, always looking. Frantic activity in the mind. And so to stop frantic activity is to, is to let it down, to be still. For God's people, being still would involve looking to the Lord. Because where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, right? My help comes from the Lord. And so we need, the, the idea is to be still, which means to cease fighting, cease striving, because we tend to strive against ourselves, because maybe we don't like who we are, we don't like what we are, we don't like something about us, so we, we work against ourselves, we strive against the Lord because of our own sin, our own rebellion, or our own disbelief, or we think God is angry at us, or He's out to get us, or He's kind He's vengeful, and so we've this striving going on which turns this anxiety within us so the first thing uh there uh, psalm forty six ten, stop striving then he says know that i am god know that i'm god no means to properly ascertain by seeing properly ascertain by seeing to acknowledge to be aware as we are frantic, as we're preparing, as we're searching, as we're kind of, our mind is continuously rolling and working and, and we're trying to control, we're not aware. We're really not aware. The anxiety is turning when we're, we aren't aware. So how does acknowledging God impact stillness? As we, as we learn to quiet ourselves, direct our attention to the Lord instead of what's going on around me. My help comes from the Lord. We set our, things, we set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And, and again, there's so, much, so many layers to this. But as we're still, as we focus our attention there instead of here... And here, guess what happens? We begin to recognize his omniscience, his omnipresence, his his omnipotent, his holiness, his sovereignty, all of these things, his faithfulness, the infinite good that is within him. Acknowledging God implies that we we can trust him and surrender to his plan because we understand at least a little bit of who he is and what he's about. Acknowledging him, which is when we're in the midst of anxiety, that is the opposite of what we're doing. So first of all, just thinking in that realm, stop striving, be still, know that I am God. The scripture we read just a few minutes ago says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that he's been talking about in this sermon will be added to you. So the the foundational aspect is seeking him. Because he says as we draw close to him, he's going to draw close to us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his goodness, his rightness, his character, who he is. That's the focus. Okay, stop striving. The second thing is simply to breathe. Breathe. 
Now, I've got two meanings to that, really. Breathe. Oftentimes, if I, if I have someone in the counseling room that is really has high anxiety, maybe even on the verge of a panic attack, these types of things, we will. We'll have them deep breathe in the counseling room. Five or six really deep breaths can kind of blunt that off. It can, it can take the edge off of it. It can, it can help to plane us out. That oxygen kind of acts as a mild sedative. So there's the, those physical aspects to it as well. Be happy to talk to anyone about that. But here, here when I say stop striving and breathe. Breathe in the goodness of God. Because when we're in anxiety, we're not thinking about the goodness of God. We're thinking about, I'm coming apart. I don't know what to do. I'm in the midst of a storm. I'm in trouble. Breathe in the goodness of God. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We could go through passage after passage after passage of Scripture that talks about the goodness of God. Who He is. And what he's about. And I encourage you to do that. If you struggle in this area in any way. Go to those scriptures. Just just lean into the goodness of God. And get a grasp of his heart for you. And what he thinks about you. So breathe in the goodness of God. Breathe out thankfulness. How do we come before the living God? Psalm 100 tells us how to do that. We come, we, come in, we come into his courts out with praise, thanksgiving, we're grateful, breathe in. That is, take in the goodness of God, really lean into who he is, what he's about. We do that from exploring the scriptures, we do that from attending Bible study, we do that by saturating our lives with the word of God. Because you know what? The enemy knows the word of God. He knows the word of God and he knows how to tilt it just a little bit, just enough to where it's askew and it leads us down a wrong trail. He is so crafty. I see this over and over and over again, how he does this in the lives of people. In that we, we said a few minutes ago that you have been gifted with some spiritual gift. You're a believer. You have some spiritual gift to be used in the kingdom. However, through the events that happen in your life, through the narrative of your life, it could be, it could be benign conversations when you're a child. It could be something from abuse and trauma. It could be anything. But the enemy uses that in our life. The messages that we receive about who we are. He uses that to set itself up against the spiritual gifting that's in our life to short circuit the glory of God. It's very, we don't think about that as spiritual warfare oftentimes, but it very much is. He is so crafty in how he comes in. He's not coming in the front door, not usually. It's not, maybe not even the back door. It's kind of a side door. He comes in and he is so good. At just, like I said, just kind of tilting, just kind of the word of God, just putting that little question mark in there. So I say, breathe in the goodness of God, the character of God, the nature of God, who he is, and come before him with thankfulness. You say, man, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's going on in my life. How can I be thankful to God? You belong to him. 
You've been saved by the grace of God. You have an eternal home in heaven. You can, I guarantee you, you can look back over your life and see the good things God has done in your life over and over and over again. But the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. And all of a sudden, we don't see the good. We don't see what he has accomplished in our lives. He does, we don't see all that. All we see is doom and gloom and anxiety, and it's terrible. So I say, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Come to him with a grateful heart and see what he does. Because as we draw close to him, he's going to draw close to us. But then real quickly, stop striving, breathe, And then we get the awesome opportunity to experience the abundant life. We get to experience that because living in anxiety, living in that kind of mindset, it steals the abundant life. It steals joy. It steals steals happiness. It steals that thing that is right in front of us because we're worried about that down the road. We're living in the past. We're dwelling on the past. Well, if I've done that wrong, if I've made a different decision, the past is the past. We learn from the past, but then we don't go all those, all those what-if trails. What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, most of the time, none of those are going to happen. And we live in that anxiety that pushes us out into the future, and then we lose the life right in front of us. He's stolen that. The, the enemy steals that. And so be present. That, this helps us to be present in the moment. Because he says, what does the Lord say here in Matthew chapter number 6? Don't worry about tomorrow. That's easy for me to stand up here and say. And to, and to say that message. But to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. He says in Philippians chapter 4, don't be anxious He says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer, supplication, let your request be made known to God, and that elusive peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. Solomon said, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. And so, what are we saying here? Today is is really about being all you can be in the kingdom of God. Being all you were meant to be, serving how you were meant to serve. You want a closer connection with the Lord. You want to be, you want to be more effective in the kingdom. That's what most of us want to be that's in this room. That future, that, that better future, that happier future, that more servant-oriented future, that more effective future in the kingdom is created moment by moment, by moment. It's created right here in this room. It's, you want the brighter tomorrow? It's created right here today. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. You live out the Christian life in the moment. You follow him. You do the will of God. You worship him. You come to him with gratefulness. And watch what the Lord does in your life. So let's stop striving. Stop striving. Be still. Know that He is God. Breathe in the goodness of God. Breathe out thankfulness. Then you get the awesome privilege and opportunity of living that abundant life. Abiding in Christ. Living out your faith the way you were intended 
to live it out. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you so much just for who you are. Lord, you're so good to us. And I know, I know there's going to be many, many in this room that deal with anxiety on different levels. And we understand that. This is not an indictment on anyone, but Lord, just knowing, just really recognizing, looking at how the enemy can operate in our life to steal our joy. That joy that's been granted us by you. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to pay for our sin. Lord, we're so grateful for that. And now in this in this day-to-day process of sanctification, may we look to you. May we get our relationships right. Our relationship with you, when we get that right, most oftentimes we can work on these other things. Lord, our relationship with you, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our spouse, our children, our family, our friends, our fellow Christians, uh, the, the, our, uh, those people we work with, Lord, relationships, because we recognize most of this, so much of this comes out of dysfunctional and non-existent relationships. So, Lord, may that be our focus today. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to each of our hearts at our point of need. May we look to you for those in this room who've never trusted you as their Savior. Lord, what a great day. What a great day to come to you and begin a new life in Jesus Christ. That's available to everyone. Lord, we thank you for that promise that we have from you. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would continually look to you. Because this is a a war that's fought on a daily basis. As we look to you, we decide to trust you. Lord, we follow you. We're sensitive to your spirit, to your leadership. May we be found following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.